Conspiracy theories are most often a smokescreen to divert us from the true evil. My dad was right. This family's money is dirty. Imagination is far more fascinating than reality. Welcome to Working for Uncle Henry, the podcast. I'm the series author and your host, Angela Mullins. Well, I don't remember exactly how I first settled on the setting for this chapter, but weaving in another conspiracy theory was irresistible. Chapter 20 Henry gave Parker a few days of space before tasking him with the next job, traveling to France to retrieve a journal once belonging to Alan Turing, the World War II codebreaker. The existence of this particular journal had been unknown until its recent discovery during renovations at Bletchley House, where Turing led the quest to break the Nazis' Enigma machine code. Turing's mastery of mathematics established the basis of modern computing. The journal held notes of the World War II code-breaking and other scribblings that, so far, had made no sense to anyone. Henry seemed eager to get his hands on it, more so than Parker had noticed with previous purchases, enough to make him doubt Henry's intent to resell. Parker was just glad Henry had at least told him a little about what he was picking up, instead of keeping him in the dark as usual. Maybe Uncle Henry was coming around a bit, including him more in the plans, but that was all he had told Parker. An Uber had been arranged to pick Parker up at the airport in Lyon and deliver him to his destination in Pont Saint-Esprit, a village in the southwest portion of France on the Rhone River. Less than a hundred miles from the Riviera, the town was most infamously known for its mass poisoning in 1951, rumored to be the result of a CIA experiment that left several dead or infirmed. The VW sedan meandered through narrow roads and rows of sepia-toned stone houses and buildings, many with flat stone roofs more than a hundred years old. They passed a church with beautiful stained-glass windows and an open-air market of vegetables, cheeses, and fruit under red umbrellas waving in the light breeze. Heading away from town, the car crossed an arched stone bridge that spammed the river as a rowboat glided underneath. The drive was long, and Parker wondered if the driver was taking him the long way to run up the cost. Finally, they pulled to a stop in front of what could only be described as a small-scale castle— a chateau with turrets all walled in like an ancient fort. The driver turned around and muttered something in French as he held out the card with the address he had been given. Parker asked if this was the place. The driver pointed to the house, then the card while nodding his head. Parker thanked the driver with one of the few French words he knew and strolled up to the rusty iron gates of the front entrance. The gates opened with a few squeaks and groans onto a large but still intimate garden. A stone pathway cut well-defined spirals through grass, precisely pruned hedges, and flowers in the full bloom of early summer. Parker took it all in as he approached the ominous 12-foot-high front doors. He banged the brass knocker three times. He wondered if the door knockers could even be heard inside the enormous house, but after several seconds, one of the doors creaked open. A handsome young man dressed in black pants and a tight black polo displaying a well-toned muscular body underneath greeted him. His dark hair was neatly cut, face clean-shaven. A pretty boy, Parker thought. Monsieur Madison? Um, yes. Entrez, the young man said, stepping aside to allow Parker in. 
He made another remark in French and headed down a hallway. Parker assumed it meant he was to follow, and the young man glanced back occasionally to be sure Parker was. They passed through a sitting area with a fireplace and classic antique furniture that had been new when brought to the house many years prior. At the end of the hallway, a spacious formal dining room branched to the right. The young man entered the parlor on the left and spoke to someone inside. Parker entered behind him, eager to meet this auspicious seller. Jennifer set her glass of wine down on the bar and smiled. Parker dropped his arms to his side and sighed. Merci, Jacques, Jennifer said with a flirty grin to the young man who obediently picked up Parker's bag and left the room. Parker watched him leave, then turned to his cousin. Are you following me, or am I following you, unaware, of course? You're not glad to see me. She tucked her chin and gave him her classic model stare. He still felt he was being scolded when she looked at him that way. I wasn't expecting to see you. Does Henry not think I can handle these jobs by myself? Well, Jennifer replied with eyebrows raised, Okay, so my track record isn't perfect. Moore raised eyebrows. Never mind, he said with a wave of his hand. Do you have the book? She sipped her drink. What book? Parker huffed. Then, remembering where he was, he asked, "'Whose place is this, anyway?' Her gaze was attached to an incredulous grin. "'It's ours.' "'Ours? You mean the families? We own a castle? In France?' "'We?' she said with a smile. "'Technically, it's a chateau. Grandfather bought it sometime around the end of World War II.' The owner was killed in the war, and the widow couldn't afford to maintain it. Grandfather bought it, kept it up, and let her continue living here. Well, that was nice of him. Parker replied, pleased to hear something positive about his grandfather. I believe she was one of his mistresses. Well, so much for the kindness of Samuel Archer. So, who is Jacques? Jennifer smiled and poured herself another glass of wine. He's the house boy. Doesn't look much like a boy to me. Well, you're certainly right there. She took a sip. Your room is right above us. She nodded her head upward. Dinner is in an hour. We can discuss that book then. Parker frowned and headed back toward the front entrance where he had seen the main staircase. His room was situated in the corner with beautiful views of the Pont-Saint-Esprit village and countryside. Parker freshened up and strolled down to the dining room. It was unlike anything he had set foot in before. Varnished pine, intricately carved and coffered, covered the ceiling. Oil portraits, some centuries old, of regally or militarily dressed people filled the green-textured fabric walls. The dining table seated 16... Underneath it lay a 19th-century Spanish rug. "'We'll sit on the end closest to the kitchen,' Jennifer said as she entered. "'Who are all these people?' Parker asked, still surveying the room. "'Family of the original owner, I suppose. He was a baron, I believe.' "'And you said he was killed in World War II?' Jennifer nodded, and they both sat across from each other on the far end of the table." This part of France was in the unoccupied area, Parker continued, the Vichy government. 
Okay. History not specific to the family was outside Jennifer's scope. Well, in other words, the Germans weren't here as much as northern France. I, I wonder what he did to get killed. He looked around at the portraits again. So much history. He wondered what their stories were. Jacques entered with the first of the three-course French dinner he had prepared, which grabbed Parker's attention away from the paintings surrounding him. Jacques set a plate of foie gras in front of each of them and then opened another bottle of wine for Jennifer and a bottle of water for Parker. Everyone seemed informed of his preferences. Once Jacques returned to the kitchen, Parker prepared to cut into what he assumed was a grilled boneless pork chop drizzled with soy sauce. He looked up at Jennifer and asked, Pork chops? Goose liver. She cut into hers and took a bite. Mmm, she said, eyes closed, relishing the taste. Parker frowned, but decided he was hungry enough to give it a try. He was not disappointed. Wow, it's rich. He went in for another bite. So what did Grandfather do over here during the war? Well, he was a spy. She sipped her wine. A spy, he replied incredulously. A regular James Bond, I expect. He was very handsome and quite the lady's man, from what I've been told. He came back over here a lot after the war, too. Probably had women all over Europe. She seemed proud. I remember this town from one of my history classes. Something about people going crazy and killing themselves. Oh, you must mean the MK Ultra experiments the CIA did here. You know about that? She shrugged. LSD is a fascinating subject. Parker finished his faux gras, debating whether to ask her the obvious question. You ever done LSD? Jennifer smiled. Would you like to try some? Jacques could... No, he quickly replied with both hands raised. Jacques brought out the next course, this one even more confusing to Parker, a plate of uncooked ground beef. Jennifer rolled her eyes. You definitely need to travel and get out more. It's steak tartare. It's not cooked. That's what tartare means. Well, is it safe? Don't people get E. coli or something from stuff like this? No, she said, taking her second bite. Parker swallowed hard as if mustering his courage, then scooped up a small amount on his fork. He watched Jennifer take another bite before putting it into his mouth. Wow, he said. Jennifer smiled. So about this journal Uncle Henry wants to buy. I don't know anything about a journal or a book, she replied to his dismay. I am supposed to take you to the antiques market tomorrow. Maybe it's there. I hope so. Sometimes Uncle Henry's jobs seem to be a lot of nefarious runaround. <laughs> oh, that's Henry. So what is this journal? Well, apparently it belonged to Alan Turing, something about mathematics and encryption breaking. I, I know the history of it, but not what any of it means. I hate math. Before he knew it, he had taken the last bite of his steak tartare. Jacques brought out a plate of cheeses to complete the meal. You know, all of this tastes much better with wine, 
Why mingle any other flavors with Jacques' fine cooking? Lastly were two coffees and espresso cups, much to Parker's liking. We'll need to leave around nine in the morning, Jennifer said. What time is it now? Ten. In that case, I'll turn in. Jet lag. Parker retreated to his room, put on his pajama bottoms, and climbed under the soft covers of an antique Louis XV bed with a nice new mattress. Once again, he had ended up with a bedroom next to Jennifer, and he surmised from the sounds coming from her room later in the night that Jacques was more than the houseboy, and he now regretted the jolt of caffeine he had so eagerly consumed after dinner. The wild occurrences of Pont-Saint-Esprit in 1951 are real. You can find out more about the related CIA conspiracy theories from the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Let me know what you think about the podcast in the comments and share it with a friend. Next time, Parker and Jennifer buy a book and become stalkers. Stalkers.